Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topic, Dorian ramps up the tropical season in a big, big way. Sit back and relax and enjoy today's Daily Bolt. So we are in Labor Day weekend 2019. It's been a few weeks since I've been able to do a podcast for you, for which I apologize. Uh, I was uh, very much uh, involved in an intensive uh, teaching activity over the last three weeks, and it was difficult to find the time and uh, the energy to get you a quality podcast, so I decided to wait until uh, that teaching assignment was over. And as luck would have it, we now have a major hurricane to talk about in the form of Dorian. And many of you listening to this have probably already heard about Dorian, and I've been even watching uh, some of the news and the media coverage about Dorian. And so... Uh, As is the case every tropical cyclone season, I usually uh, chime in with my own comments and analysis, and uh, we will end up uh, doing that again this tropical season. Uh, Dorian is not the first name storm. Uh, It's been, uh, up until this point, in terms of hurricane uh, season, uh, storm energy, uh, one of the metrics that we use. In other words, how many storms, how long do they last, and how strong are they? It has been maybe just a little bit below normal. Uh, we did have the one significant tropical storm affect the U.S. Gulf Coast in July, that being minimal Hurricane Barry uh, that uh, managed to crack Category 1 status for a short period of time. Uh, Uh, before uh, making landfall in the central Gulf Coast, after which it uh, began its usual, or rather the usual, decline in strength for a hurricane into a tropical storm due to uh, increase in friction from the land surface, uh, obstacles, mountains, uh, and the fact that it's away from uh, the main thermal engine driving tropical cyclones, warm ocean water. So, with all that preamble out of the way, now let's talk a little bit about Dorian. And uh, right now, uh, it's about uh, 7.15 p.m. Pacific Time, 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time on August 31st. And Dorian is still moving to the west, roughly at about 8 or 9 miles per hour or so. And it's about... 310, 315 miles east of West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, substantially closer to the northwestern Bahamas. Uh, Its winds remain uh, quite strong. It is a very strong Category 4 hurricane with maximum sustained winds of 150 miles per hour with some higher gusts. Uh, It does not have to be that much stronger to make it into Category 5 territory. the good news about Dorian is that it's still, in terms of its strongest winds, a relatively compact hurricane. Uh, the tropical storm force winds go out to a, a significant distance, all the way out to about 105 miles from the center of the eye. The hurricane force winds extend outward only about 30 miles. That's still significant. It's not 
teeny tiny in terms of hurricanes as they go, but it is not a super large uh, area of extremely strong winds. Uh, and right now, most of those really strong winds are not affecting uh, that much in the way of land areas. Uh, the northwestern Bahamas, however, are directly in the sights of Dorian and are likely to experience significant increase in winds overnight and uh, through the day tomorrow. Uh, and I would not be surprised to see some significant damage in some of the islands of the northwestern Bahamas. Up until this point, Dorian has been relatively kind to land areas. Uh, damage in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and other islands of the uh, Caribbean has been relatively uh, minor. Uh, I won't say totally minor, but it's more limited than would normally be the case for many hurricanes that come as close to those islands as Dorian actually did. So, in that respect, uh, Dorian has uh, not been as devastating a hurricane as many other hurricanes in recent years have been that have crossed through the Caribbean. It helps that Dorian was not nearly as strong of a hurricane when it was passing close to Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and the other uh, Caribbean islands as those other hurricanes were. It was maybe a weak Category 2 and starting to grow to a Category 3 as it left uh, the Virgin Islands and started to approach the Bahamas. The real intensification has been occurring over the last uh, day or so as Dorian has been moving over waters uh, that are increasingly warm and it will continue to move over waters that are increasingly warm uh, over the next two two days or so uh, as it crosses the northwestern Bahamas and approaches the U.S. southeast coast. Uh, there are some very warm ocean temperatures uh, in place there right now. And the vertical wind shear, which I've talked about in previous podcasts as uh, being one factor that can affect whether a hurricane intensifies, maintains intensity, or decays, that wind shear is going to be fairly low over the next two days as well. So there are multiple factors that tend to favor intensification uh, into a Category 5 storm. However, it may not maintain that uh, intensity for a long duration before fluctuations occur. Uh, another thing that we've talked about in previous podcasts is that hurricanes, as uh, their uh, inner eyes develop due to a ring of very strong thunderstorms surrounding the eye, uh, <clears throat> they go through natural cycles of uh, formation of those thunderstorms and decay. And you even have the center of where the thunderstorms are strongest uh, shift. Uh, <clears throat> And you see effectively a breakdown of the eye structure. And it is ultimately replaced with a new eye that forms at roughly the original intensity. So these so-called eye well replacement cycles, once a hurricane starts becoming into a major hurricane status, and particularly the stronger it gets, the more we tend to see some of these eye well replacement cycles over time. So it is very likely that the intensity of Dorian will fluctuate up and down a bit. So right now it's sort of at the, it's near the borderline of a category four, category five hurricane. It may cross over into category five hurricane 
territory for a while, have an eye wall replacement cycle and weaken, which is typically what happens as these cycles occur, and then re-intensify and then re-weaken again. And so it remains to be seen just how much change in intensity from the current average uh, wind speeds of about 150 miles per hour really occurs uh, while the center of the hurricane is still over this very warm water in a very low wind shear environment. It'll be kind of an interesting thing to see. Every hurricane is a little bit different and we can predict that there will be eyewall replacement cycles but we can't necessarily predict exactly how they will unfold. And even our best computer models, while they can predict the fact that a cycle will occur, they don't necessarily do very well on the timing of these cycles, how long they last, how much of a fluctuation in intensity actually occurs. And so that brings us to the future. Uh, one problem with Dorian right now is that because it's in a relatively low shear environment and uh, <clears throat> because the steering currents that we've talked about before in the past have a tendency to be extremely weak in such environments. This leads to a significant amount of uncertainty even in the short-term track. We know from uh, a consensus of the models that what will happen with Dorian is what happens with virtually all Atlantic hurricanes is this phenomenon called recurvature where the uh, tropical storm, the hurricane, will move westward and then gradually turn northwestward uh, and northward and get, and get swept into the mid-latitude westerlies and then uh, be forced to travel more northeastward. So all the models predict recurvature. The question is how far west will Dorian get before uh, recurvature occurs? And there's still a significantly widespread even in the next 12 to 24 hours, which means the spread of solutions for recurvature is even larger. With uh, the guidance envelope taking the track perhaps as far uh, inland as uh, Ocala, Florida, and uh, west of Savannah, Georgia, uh, through Columbia, South Carolina, and Charlotte and Greensboro, on the western side all the way well offshore with kind of a consensus track uh, staying not uh, super close to shore but certainly close enough that storm surges, flooding, rainfall will impact a substantial part of the southeastern U.S. coast all the way from potentially Palm Beach, uh, West Palm Beach all the way up uh, as far north as uh, the Hampton Roads area of Virginia over the next uh, five days. So Dorian bears watching, particularly in the next 12 to 24 hours, to see just how far west it goes and exactly when it starts to make more of a northwestward turn. That will be the key as to how much of the U.S. coast Dorian actually impacts how much of the southeastern U.S. mainland it, all, it impacts, or whether it will be uh, mostly a nuisance farther out into the Atlantic and just provide some high surf. Uh, 
a lot of things to be watching for over the next two days, so it makes it a very interesting Labor Day weekend. And since I, my intensive teaching assignment is over, I will be able to keep an eye on it for you, and we will definitely have regular podcasts over the next few days and hopefully continuing on then through the fall. For tonight, that's it for this edition of the Davy Bolt. I'm Dr. Jeff Tilley, and I hope you're having a pleasant weekend. <laughs>